You are listening to the Demeter Research Market View podcast. I'm Matt Demeter, and with me is Alex Dvorkin. Each week, we follow the price action of currencies, commodities, and global stock markets, and we discuss their expected moves in the weeks ahead. We base our opinions on a unique form of technical analysis and on commitment of trader reports, which reveal the position of big banks, the smart money. Show notes can be found at demeterresearch.com audio. We welcome questions and feedback, positive or negative. Did we make a good call or a bad call? We're happy to stand on our record, so email us at matt at demeterresearch.com. Hey, Matt, how are you? Doing well. How about you, Alex? I'm doing well, thank you. How's everything on the East Coast? Nice. Weather's good. Nothing to complain about. Nice, nice. Uh, San Diego. Um, you know, another day in paradise, so to speak. Uh, like I told you last week, running out of water. It's going to be a desert pretty soon. Well, I guess it was a desert to begin with, but uh, yeah, that's still a problem. It's getting worse, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens out of it. And actually, we, we talked about real estate a little bit in regards to water, and I wanted to ask you about uh, your thoughts about the real estate in Florida, you know, the, we both live in the epicenters of the real estate bubble, so to speak. So I wanted to ask what's going on in Florida, where do you think is going to happen, and, and all of that good stuff. Well, places that got hit the hardest, like Miami Beach, has bounced, bounced back pretty substantially. I don't know if it's back in a bubble territory. I think it, it, it's more fair value. Well, let me ask you this. Is it back to where it was at, let's say, 2007 top, 2006, 2007 top? Or no. Is it, okay. So when it's you say fair value... It was, I don't know. It's probably halfway back. Okay. So it had a 50% bounce, if we're talking about in yeah. stock market terms. Okay. Um, how, how is it in uh, California? About the same. Uh, you know, San Francisco is crazy, but San Francisco is in its... Is in its own bubble. Yeah, well, you got all those rich, those rich Google guys and uh, and uh, what, who else do you have out there? You have a lot of startups. And oh yeah, I mean, app, everybody's there. All the venture capital, all the startups, and uh, you know, when the money, when the times are good, like they are today, the money's flowing freely. And uh, I think you buy a garage in San Francisco for you know a million dollars or something like that, you, you're not going to be able to to buy anything else. So that's that's outside the scope. The rest of America, but um, Los Angeles is is coming back probably in a very uh, similar fashion that you talked about in Florida. Uh, San Diego is is uh, the same. Uh, we're getting uh, a slow appreciation in in price, with 50% from where we were at uh, 2006, 2007 top. Uh, my perception is that. We are in the process of rolling over in a very similar fashion as we uh, discussed the stock market. So probably over the next five to ten years, we're going to see lower prices and probably much lower prices here in California um, than they are today. I'm, I'm not sure if the water is going to have any impact, but it, it might be. Doesn't help. Yeah, it, it might accelerate the trend down. What do you think about Florida? Do you think it's going to head lower yep. over the next couple of years or? Today's levels. So I was speaking to a realtor who works. In, it's hard for me to say about my very local area. I don't think it's gotten out of control again. But down in Miami, there are a lot of foreigners buying, and those prices have risen to levels that 
probably are not justified. Uh, realtor I spoke to down there, she says that it's getting frothy again, and she's telling her American clients to you know look in different places really if they can. Yeah, and we we see the same thing in the stock market. I mean, when a when a foreign investor has come in, it's usually the the last inning uh, of the game, typically. Right. Um, do do you think? Well, um, we we pretty much have the same view on the, on the interest rates, and um, they're probably going to decline over the next couple of years, even lower than they are today. Uh, primarily because, from my vantage point, the the ten year has to set a double bottom before starting the uptrend, uh, and we've been in this uh, thirty five year bear market in yields, uh, so that's that's going to take uh, quite a while to resolve. Um, do you think that might spark another real estate boom? No, I don't. I think that we'll get another drop, as you do, in uh, interest rates. And at that point, we're going to have reached uh, the conclusion of my massive pattern to the downside. It's not something I really talk about that often because I'm fairly protective of this pattern. But I do. But I have a massive pattern in interest rates that goes back 50 years. It's just enormous. But its completion is not too far away. So yeah, we're talking the next year or two, and then at that point, rates will only go higher. I mean, they'll go substantially higher. They'll go to double digits. Right. So, so uh, at that point, what do mortgage rates do to the cost of holding a mortgage, and what does that do to the prices? Yeah, I mean, I think prices are going to come down. I think we are at the, at the peak of, well, the actual peak was 2006, 2007 top in real estate. That was the actual peak. But I think, um, and I, I write about it in my blog, we are – Witnessing, as we put it in the stock market, a, a dead cat bounce, and you know, as soon as this bounce rolls over, we're going to have a substantial decline uh, in real estate prices nationwide uh, for for many years to come. And you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, it's going to happen next week, but uh, particularly in real estate, it takes a long time. So, um, I agree with your forecast, by the way, and I, I see the same thing from a from my work is that we're going to see the, the significant increase in inflationary pressure over the next, uh, let's say, five to ten years, and that's going to drive the rates to, to the double digits that you're talking about and, of course, collapse real estate. At, at least that's what I'm thinking. Um, would you agree, disagree? Well, I, I agree. I think you know the inflationary force is probably going to be quantitative easing again, more money printing. Right. That would tend to raise you know the value of anything physical. But, you know, once you have those rates go double digit or anything higher than, you know, low single digit, it's going to counteract that force, I think. So, yeah, I think that those forces will uh, somewhat neutralize each other. And then you also have the issue of is the economy going to be booming or is it going to be sinking? And I think it will be a very tough period. I believe in I believe the technological unemployment issue will come into play. You're going to have a lot of layoffs. Unemployment will go higher. Uh, that's that will be a, a much bigger and a newer factor going into whatever next recession we have. You know, real it really will suppress home prices as well. I would definitely have to agree uh, on that um, for sure. Um, all right, so I, are you ready to jump into our stock market analysis as, as we always do? Absolutely. Okay, so let's uh, you know the, the the first thing we talk about, particularly if you're new to the podcast, we talk about the COT reports and they stand for commitment of traders. And basically, Matt talks about what the large commercial interests are buying or shorting or selling 
uh, in the stock market, commodities, uh, uh, you know, uh, currencies. And basically the premise is we want to be on the same side as the commercials because sooner or later they're going to move the market in their direction and we don't want to bet against them. So, Matt, last time you talked about uh, currencies, you talked about commodities, and you'll, I'm sure you'll go over some of those things again, but uh, I'd, I'd like you to congratulate you on some of the calls you've made, and I'll do so as we talk about each one. Uh, but go ahead and jump into it. All right, sure. We typically start with currencies. Since we had moves up in the Australian dollar, the British pound, and the euro, the commercials have sold. They were heavily long, those those uh, three currencies, particularly Australian and pound. Okay. And they, they sold off some of their long positions in the Australian dollar and the pound. But they were they had they had massive positions. So you were talking they had, about they, they had massive positions. They still have massive positions. Okay. They took off. They took off about ten percent of their position, their long position in both those currencies. Okay. And it remained about flat in euro. They didn't get much off. Okay. So great call there, and the, do- the dollar sold off over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so great call there as well. What do you see in the dollar? Same same kind of situation as before. Dollar index futures, uh, there's you know they're still heavily short, uh, but they did take off there as well because they you know had a drop in the dollar. On a net basis, they're 40% short of the entire market, so it's still a big short position. Right. In the dollar. So I anticipate further downside for the dollar. It doesn't need to be a straight line. We could pop back up. In some, some of my charts were totally satisfied and completed with the, the move we had in the dollar. Others wanted a little bit higher. So I am open to the idea that we go back up. But generally speaking, where we said to start shorting was a good point to okay. do so. So basically, we might be in the trading range, but there's also a really good possibility that the dollar is going to continue selling off. Yes, I, I think if we, if we are lucky enough, we get another new marginal high in a dollar for which we can short. Okay. Otherwise, just if you got short at the top, just remain short. If we make a new high, then I will be shorting more. Okay. All right. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Then going to... Uh, Switching from currencies, there's nothing I really want to talk about as far as commodities right now. I think we're we're well, uh, Last time we talked about uh, copper, and right. you said that it was it was nothing to worry about. You, you actually picked out the, the the exact bottom a couple of months ago, but the, you know it was selling off into into last week, and we we talked about it, and you said that there's nothing to worry about. It's going to bounce, and sure enough, this week there was a massive move higher on copper. Um, so good call once again. Thank you. I uh, you, do you. Do you expect it continuing for for the foreseeable future? Yeah, copper has escaped an important bearish pattern. So now I expect what will happen is we probably go a little bit higher almost immediately the next week or so or next few days of, of next week, and then we're gonna we'll then get a sell off that will come back down to the outside of this bear pattern and we'll bounce off of that. So there will be be one more chance probably to get in long. Um, before we have another big run. Okay. Well, that's... Uh, but really, we talked about it at the exact bottom. We talked about it when we got a dip, and both those times were good times to buy. So this will be probably the last chance to get in before a much bigger move higher. Yeah. Well, it definitely pays to listen to our podcast. I know a few people took a, took a position in copper based on your recommendation at the time, so I'm, I'm sure they, they're happy at this time. Yeah, good to uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
we haven't talked in terms of COTs. We haven't talked about the COTs and their application to the stock market in a while. Do you mind kind of updating us on what the commercials are doing with when it comes to the actual stock market? Yeah, of course. As far as the U.S. markets go, two things stand out. One, which we have been talking about, is the volatility futures. Okay. And in that case, they could just you know the commercials continue to ramp up their long positions in volatility, which as we've been talking about course, bearish for the stock market. Okay. These volatility traders see a fall in the S&P 500 sometime soon. They've been building this position for four to six weeks already, and we're getting close to the point which you, th- you would think that uh, it would start kicking in. Okay. At some point, we are going to get uh, a big volatility event. Gotcha. Okay. Then if you look at NASDAQ 100, that is the most bearish of the positioning of the three major U.S. markets. And in that case, the commercials are short 61% of all contracts outstanding and they're a long 28%. So say a net short position of 33%. Okay. So that's that's pretty significant. That wasn't the case before. Correct me if no. I'm wrong. Okay. They've been building, they've been building that short position, and, and, and just now it seems worth uh, discussing because it's starting to get large enough to take notice. Okay. So basically, both the volatility and the, and the stock market, or the uh, well, Nasdaq in particular. Nasdaq in particular, yeah. Suggests that you know the big guys are expecting some sort of decline in the in the near future. Downs S&P are also uh, short net, but not as dramatically as the NASDAQ 100. Okay. So maybe that has something to do with the divergence that we've seen between the NASDAQ and the S&P and the Dow over the last couple of weeks, and I'll talk about when I when I talk about the stock market. Well, we also had a, a big move down in Nikkei, which we talked about a few weeks back, and uh, that's played out well. Yes, and uh, you called the top right on, as our listeners over the last couple of weeks know. Um so. Thank you. Right. To uh, finish up, I'm looking at emerging markets futures and EAFE futures, which are basically uh, conglomeration markets outside of the U.S. and Canada. Okay. Developed markets outside of the U.S. and Canada. So essentially, Europe, Asia, and Australia, those are the major markets in there. Okay. So what's, what's going on there? What are you seeing? They're heavily short. As far as the emerging markets... Yeah, you don't have to give us the exact numbers, but I, I just, to kind of refresh everybody's memory, I'm trying to, I guess, pinpoint if we talked about... That's what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about emerging market futures, and, they, and they've been building the short position for a while, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. But in either case, they're building short positions that are, are, are getting substantial now. In the EAFE, you're talking a net short position of... Uh, 55% of the outs- of the overall market. Okay. Wow. So they're they're taking they're taking a, a pretty big net short position in both. Basically everything outside the US is being shorted as well as some markets in the US like the Nasdaq. So Yeah. We lo- we could be looking at an overall global sell-off coming. That, that's what it sounds like. I mean, yeah. if if we look at the COTs, that's what it's uh that's what it looks like. That's how they're positioned. So okay. Well, um that makes uh, perfect sense to me. You know, my long-term forecast has been that we're going to have another uh, bear market like over the next couple of years, actually. So that uh, pretty much works with that. That's right. And I've been following your uh, forecast for this past month, and they've been 
uh, very accurate and very helpful with all the uh, even though we've been in a trading range you've been negotiating that pretty pretty well oh thank you yeah it's uh uh, it's been pretty painful to watch the market over the last couple of uh, months, actually, uh, since since about the end of December. You know, we've been stuck in the trading range, and um, as I talked about last time, you know, most people see this trading range as as a period of consolidation, and we're going to have a breakout, and the stock market's going to go to, you know, if you're listening to CNBC, it's going to go to twenty thousand. I'm talking about the Dow. It's going to go to twenty thousand or twenty-five thousand. Well, you can also look at this period as a period of distribution, and we are in a very uh, early stages of a potential sell-off, right? So um, my work indicates we're going to have a big market over the next two years, and um, I think the commercial is a position for that over a longer-term period of time. And uh, we're just going to have to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm just going to have to say that people ha- just have to be very careful here over the next couple of months um, because we can see significant volatility come back. We can have big sell-offs and uh, rallies and all of that stuff. Yes, and uh, you've been right on with that, and your uh, even your day-to-day updates have been really uh, very interesting and helpful. So, Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. On our site, on Demeter Research, we have exact targets as well. They're there for subscribers. Excellent. Yes. And sometimes uh, what I find very interesting is that, you know, your work is completely different from my work in terms of our analytical approach. But what, what I find fascinating and interesting is that it comes together at certain points, and usually those points are turning points. And it's it's been fun to watch your work from that perspective. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to watch two different approaches come to the same conclusion. Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 it's fascinating. It's a confirmation that there's definitely something behind how the stock market works. It's, it's an exact mathematical structure, as I propose. And it's, it's just there for people who are willing to work and, and get that information out of the market. So that's, that's been cool. Absolutely. What do we have coming up as far as the global markets? In terms of geo-macroeconomic things, um, the situation basically remains the same as it was last week. You know, Greece is important. Nobody really knows what's going on with Greece. It's probably going to default. Uh, it can go back and forth in the long run. Well, not necessarily in the long run, but for our purposes, if for the U.S. investors, it doesn't really matter. I don't think it's going to impact the U.S. markets, although uh, if we do get a big sell-off like commercials anticipate, then – Greece could be used as um, a trigger point, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's not very important from a vantage point. Uh, in terms of Russia, uh, the situation in Ukraine can uh, dis, uh, disintegrate very quickly, so watch that. Uh, we might have some sort of a war, especially after in the, in the second half of May after Russia celebrates uh, its uh, victory day. Um, other than that, that's pretty much it. Everything else kind of re- remains the same. There are no, no big events. We have uh, next week we have uh, manufacturing PMI coming out on Tuesday, and then we have uh, Friday is an important news day. We have both. Uh, well, we have unemployment and non-farm payroll coming out next Friday, so that's going to move markets. That's all I have, Matt. I don't really have anything else unless you do. No, I think we covered it. Okay, perfect. So um, with that said, 
I'd like to thank everybody for coming out and listening to our podcast. Uh, please come back next week. We'll have another one for you. We'll go over the markets. We'll look at the COT reports. We'll look at the macro and, and everything that we did today. Bye-bye.